Well, this month I'm going to be doing a teaching series on Wednesday nights that I'm calling a Living in the Days, uh, the Biblical Days of the End Times. So tonight I just want to do an introduction to this little series this month on Wednesday nights. Tonight's the shortest teaching of that. Um, theologically, this is called eschatology. Uh, which is a fancy word which means the study of the last things or the end of humanity. It has a couple different definitions. We do, I think, 10 weeks on this in Bible school, so you know, we can't go in great depth, but we can do a pretty good job. Uh, now, some call this topic the end times. They get that from the book of Daniel, chapter 12. Uh, some call it the last days. They get that from Peter, Second Peter. Some call it the end of the age or end of the world. Uh, Matthew 13, Matthew 24, and some call it the day of the Lord, Joel chapter 2. It has a variety of different names, which pretty much says the same thing. Uh, it talks about a topic and a time period that basically all is uh, saying the same thing here with different names. Uh, some believe last days uh, and end times are two different concepts, okay? Some believe mankind has been in the last days since the day of Pentecost in the first century. That's not a wrong thought. That's a very interesting thought. Uh, how about that? Uh, so there's a popular belief that the last days began at the beginning of the 20th century and the, out, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that the end times actually began when Israel became a state in 1948. I like that. I'm okay with that. And others believe Truly the last days are when the Antichrist rises. So there's many different views on that. So this month we'll be uh, doing um, is meant to be just an examination and an introduction to this topic of these days that we're living in on planet Earth. Let's pray. Father God, we just welcome Holy Spirit to be our teacher, that I would not interfere with what Holy Spirit would do in the hearts of the people that would be listening today online on podcasts in the days ahead, that Father God, uh, you would communicate to us what we need to know, and that we would walk in faith, Lord God, trusting that our days and our times are in your hands, not ours. And we thank you for that, that you know how to keep us. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we should always remember that we should consider these biblical days we're living in. Uh, I mean, the book of Acts has never ended. I uh, don't have that conclusion that it ended in the first century. You know, uh, uh, it's been called the Acts of the Apostles. Actually, that book has no title. So that's not a really good name for it. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's really what we're seeing. And that has not ended. The Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Lord's church has continued past the first century to the day we're living in and will continue as long as Holy Spirit is here. So we are living in biblical days uh, of the Lord's presence. And um, in these days that we live in, uh, we need to realize that they do fit into Father God's prophetic clock of the ages. So he has ordained these, that slide should not be there. Oh, it's not there. It's over there. Well, never mind. I'm looking at a slide here. <laughs> it panicked me. No, not now. Uh, uh, he has ordained these days. That's good to know. Men didn't ordain these days. Men's ideas didn't ordain, the, ordain these days. Men's discoveries didn't ordain these days. The governments didn't ordain these days. These are God-ordained days that he has started. 
So we live in his prophetic time clock to the end of the ages. And that continues to tick away until the Lord's return uh, to, for the Lord Jesus to reign on the earth. And we reign with him. Okay, good news. Amen. So, Holy Spirit has written much in the Bible about this. Why would he do such a thing if we were not meant to observe it and follow it as a guide for our lives? If he wrote it, it has to have purpose for us. Certainly for encouragement, without a doubt, uh, to know that uh, we're looking at not history, but his dash story. This is his story, not history as we know it. And he reveals his story to us. And it's important that we uh, grab a hold of that. Because every day you and I are lied to. As soon as we get up in the morning, uh, I watch the news or you listen to the news, you're lied to. You're constantly lied to that man is God, man has all the answers, man is going to fix everything. That's the theme of Star Trek, humanism, that man has all the answers in the future, man has solved problems, man has solved poverty, we don't need money anymore. Man will never solve anything. If he hasn't already in thousands of years, he ain't going to do it in a few hundred more years. It's just not going to happen. It's a lie. So we need to find the truth of God's Word to hold on to and believe at core, and not the lies we are fed by just humanity, day in and day out for centuries. Men will always want to worship themselves, worship the work of their hands, uh, and yet their, their, uh, their, their brilliance ends at the grave. So what good was that for? So we need to realize our faith is in the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so. The Lord's church needs to teach on this occasionally. It's important. We need to keep all these concepts always in front of us. So my main purpose here is not to answer every possible question people could have about end times. It's not everything you wanted to know, but we're afraid to ask. Uh, but I wanted us to be aware of what we should be considering how the current events of the days we live in do coincide with the biblical days the Bible speaks of. So I need uh, to make some preface comments before I go any further here on these Wednesdays. Um, and some of the preface comments are, uh, this is a, a difficult topic for someone like me to teach on, and it's because of the people who would hear it. They often have opinions already on this topic, and they will get in the way of what I have to say. This is a topic where people have lots of opinions. Uh, it's just like the topic of demonology. There's a lot of bad teachings out there on demonology. There's good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones over the years that have scared people, confused people, and some of them have just been plain wrong. And end times is a topic like demonology where people have heard something, formed an opinion, hold to an opinion like it's a biblical truth, and then they filter everything that they hear uh, through their opinions. And if I say something that would disagree with their opinion, they'll throw it out and tune you out. Oh boy. Too many believers have heard a sermon or two by their favorite pastor, evangelist, prophet, and they think they know it all when it comes to end times. Unfortunately, some of their favorite speakers themselves may have been highly opinionated and in error on some of their comments, comments that possibly should have never been made to others to hear, because then they're going to run with it like it's biblical truth. That's the uh, fault of those who are careless, and how serious that is you don't lead people astray. 
uh, which can happen. Uh, too many believers have read a book or two on this topic, and they think they're totally informed on the topic. You're not. Um, I remember Pastor Wolf told the story a long time ago because he was a school teacher before the Church of Grace and Peace started. And he um, remembered his years of school teaching in his earlier years, especially, he would have the parent-teacher conferences, you know, and he taught in an inner city school, I believe, at one place, right? Pretty rough crowd. Well, it wasn't the kids that were just rough. It was the parents too. If, the, if you didn't like what the way the kids talked, you should hear the parents. Anyway, so they would come to him at these parent-teacher nights, and he said he always had a problem because people meant well, but because they went to school at one time in their life, they think they know all about school, and they think they know all about education, and they don't. They just have an experience, good or bad. Most people, bad. Most people do not like school when they were raised. And uh, so all of a sudden they come to him, and he's trying to impart some help to them in raising their children as far as education, and they already have their opinions made up, and if you don't listen to what they think, well, then you don't know anything. Where'd you go to school? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So he had his own difficulties getting through with that kind of mentality. Well, this is really no different. Uh, there's so much out there on the topic of end times, some good, but a lot not so good. And so before I go any further, I got to say a few things here up front, to be really honest here. Unfortunately, the cults have taught a lot on end times, right? Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, especially Jehovah Witnesses, and they've been totally wrong, and, and, and yet they continue because so many of the people they contact usually know nothing about end times, and they're amazed and, and enthralled when the Jehovah Witnesses start to speak to them. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard, because they, you know, they read from a script. One of their famous opening lines is, they knock on your door, hello, we'd like to speak to you about the times you're living in. That's their opening line. And you go, times I'm living in? What times? And of course, they, they start in with their whole spiel about uh, their position on end times, that, which they want to uh, get you to know. The, the Jehovah Witness wants to get to your head. They want to put their theology in your head, which is very confusing and very messed up. And um, so they're a problem, and they continue to be one of the fastest-growing cults from decade to decade, even though they predicted the end of the world several times and have been wrong several times, obviously. Uh, people still don't know what they have said. Even the current JWs today don't know what the JWs have said in, in uh, decades past because they're not told that. They, they're told only the watchtower has truth. And when you tell them, well, gee, the watchtower predicted the end of the world several times and they were wrong. Oh, that can't be true. You know, because they weren't alive then or weren't JWs then. So they're very popular. Um, there have been books written by Christians today that have done much damage to the body of Christ. Uh, the rapture of the church, my gosh, it's been predicted so many times and has been wrong so many times. Uh, there were good Bible teachers in the 1970s who were predicting it would be in the 1970s. It would be in 1981. Uh, and there were kooks that predicted it would be in 1988. And uh, others will never see the year 2000 because Jesus must return before the year 2000. I remember Dave DeMola. Dave's gone home to be with the Lord. He pastored a church in North Jersey. I was at a pastor's conference one time that Dave did. And uh, it must have been 
I don't know, he must have had a bad week, I don't know. He must have been hearing these fundamentalists again claiming if Jesus doesn't come by the year 2000, he will never come. And Dave's like, you know, I really hope Jesus doesn't come by the year 2000 just so they can be wrong. <laughs> yeah, Dave, way to go. Absolutely true. Uh, my gosh. So if anyone here has been a Bible believer from the 1970s, I'm, yes, right? I'm sure you've all heard this nonsense. Uh, practically every television ministry in the 1970s and early 80s were obsessed with end time teachings. You have a memory of that? I sure do. Uh, trying to interpret every single current event as a major clue to an end times mystery. Good ministers who meant well, I mean, this is surprising, were predicting that there would be a war with the USSR in 1981. People were storing up food for, the, for a seven-year tribulation. I remember that. I remember Christian television programs telling people how to store up food. I'm like, and you know, you're going, huh? I didn't know much back then. I'm like, huh? What? Huh? Uh, you know, people were getting ready for the rapture, and they were all wrong. All of them. Unless something happened I didn't know about. Uh, good ministers uh, were predicting things that just didn't come to, to pass. So it was a trend the Christian church went through. Yes, the Christian church goes through trends, and some of them are goofy trends. And it's coming back again today in a new package. We're looking at the current state of affairs on the earth. So I'd just give you some personal honesty here of what I've observed over the years. Uh, some of these end-time teachers uh, just feed end-time junkies. Uh, there are Christians who treat end-times like a drug that they're hooked on. That's all they want to hear. I meet them all the time. Uh, I've met people here, they practically scold us. Why don't we speak on this every month at church? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? <sighs> and they're really sincere. Why? Because they heard so-and-so on television that they love to hear, and they're speaking on it right now. Shouldn't your church be speaking on it now? No. We try to follow Holy Spirit. So, um, and so many believers— if, if you're here tonight, I don't mean to offend you. So many believers are just waiting to escape in the rapture. Life is lousy. When's the rapture? Will it be today? They're waiting to escape in the rapture. Instead of focusing on how they can produce fruit in the kingdom of God in their generation, no, they want to run. They want to run in the rapture. Um, too many are obsessed with end times to an unhealthy spiritual obsession. If you haven't met them, you will. Just like the demonology crowd, you will. Uh, so if I have to really be honest also, and I think a lot of these end times teachers make a lot of money off this topic because fear sells. This is sad. This is a modern day sadness the body of Christ is faced with all across the globe, not just in America. And that's horrible. I do believe Jesus is coming return is imminent. I do believe that. But we don't know the day or the hour. Let's look at his words. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Now, the Amplified Bible translates that exact day or hour. I like that better. No one knows the exact day or hour. Why can't we just believe Jesus' words? You know, Jesus even repeats this again 
in, uh, in different words, in the first chapter in Acts. Here he's risen from the dead. And what do they want to know? It's now the time? Is now the time? Now, now, now the kingdom? Now? And again, his disciples want to know, is it now? Is it now? No, not now. Uh, so you can see Jesus' frustration. He must have had. Um, so although we cannot know the exact day or hour, we do know and can know the prophetic season. And that's something far more that we want to pay attention to, especially what we'll be looking at this month. Again, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16, in verses 1 to 3, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came up. They were two different groups of people. The, Pharise the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And Christians have always told the joke for years, that's why they're sad, you see. I thought it was a good joke. I first heard it from Pastor Walt. Blame him. I thought it was a good joke. Yeah, but so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, different groups of leaders, here they're ganging up. It says here, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and putting Jesus to the test. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Oh, these people. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there'll be a storm coming, for the sky is red and threatening. So you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you were unable to discern the signs of the times. Here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders of his day, who claim to know better, uh, that... Um, they couldn't discern the signs of the times, implying they should have been able to do that. Here, of course, Jesus is speaking of the obvious sign of his first coming that they do not see or will or actually refuse to see. But there's more here to this. The uh, last days and the end times are also a season that should be noticed. Uh, the Bible does reveal to us the season of his return, but not the day or hour or you could put a date on it. And if the season, if it's the season for it, then we should be living lives that reflect his coming is soon. So how long is the season? Well, to us, it's an indefinite period of time in our understanding. A season basically means a waiting time for new growth to come forth. Obviously, there are specific times in the natural. But for us, the analogy is in the spirit realm, it's an indefinite period of time for something new to come forth. So on these Wednesday nights this month, we're going to look at and see uh, that this is the season of the end times. And, and it comes in two phases. If you're writing notes, this is what you want to write down for tonight especially. The first phase happened at the beginning of the 20th century. The second phase is when Israel became a state in 1948. Both of those were major events of the 20th century. We tend to think World War I, World War II, man walks on the moon, the, the computer. I get it, major events. But in God's prophetic time clock, these were the major events. And we'll look at that next week. We're also going to see here how current events of the world that we're living in fit into this prophetic time. And lastly, we'll be looking at what we need to watch for in these days that we live in, biblically. So when I say current events, we shouldn't be looking to every ins and outs that comes out of the Middle East. Should we? Probably not. Some believe we should. 
I think it's an over-scrutinizing of, of the life of current events. So what did Jesus say? Ah, let's go back to Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 to 8. He was very clear on this. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For those things must take place, and that is not the end. Let's stop there for a second. You know, World War II, there were devout Christians in Nazi Germany who thought Hitler was the Antichrist. You ever see the uh, film Valkyrie? Uh, that, that particular soldier was a hero in the German, uh, I think it was Air Force, I think, Army. And um, he was a devout Christian. And he was involved in the plot to kill Hitler because he believed Hitler was the Antichrist. So devout believers have been challenged over the years. And, but yet, there's wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus says in verse 6, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, I'll stop there for a second. There was a study done. Oh, gosh, it was in the early 1980s that the amount of earthquakes that have been recorded on the earth have greatly increased, and I forgot the date, since 1960 or the 1950s, greatly increased. Interesting, a sign, earthquakes in various places. Verse 8, but these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus' words here that he spoke have been echoing uh, for 2,000 years since he first said them. Not quite 2,000, but just about 2,000 years. So over the past 2,000 years, there's been wars. There's been rumors of wars. Nations have risen up against nations. There's been natural disasters, and there will continue to be. My point today is don't let the day-to-day -day activity of the world happening around us distract us from trying to figure out when Jesus is returning. What we should be looking at instead is, is this the prophetic season? That's a better question. Stay tuned. We'll come to that later in September. Um, in fact, I'll do an exposition on Matthew chapter 24 on the third week, a very important one, on the third week of this month. So our pastors here on Sundays uh, in the spring of 2021, seems like ages ago, did a series called Navigating the End Times, those of you who remember. Uh, and as I said before, the church needs to teach on this every now and then. Unfortunately, we can't go in great detail on a Sunday morning. There's just not enough time for that. And of course, the type of crowd that you have. Like, I would venture to say, I think it's pretty accurate, on a Wednesday night, you have a much more serious group of people who want to know the Word of God. You may not look at yourselves that way, but you are. On Sunday morning, you get the crowd. You get people who are unsaved that are in there. You get people who, eh, Jesus is okay. I'm going to church today. You have people that want to learn to walk with God. You have people devoted to the Lord. You have a huge uh, percentage and crowd of people. The crowd comes out. And the crowd um, doesn't have much patience. Uh, they can just sit so long in their seats, and you don't want to be here on a Sunday morning service for three hours, four hours. So uh, <clears throat> you can't go in great detail on a Sunday morning. But on a series on Wednesday nights, we can. So this month we will do that and find some time, and that's why I'm here. So I said earlier tonight, we can know the season of His return. 
So we're going to, we just looked at the verses in Matthew 24. Jesus in Matthew 24 and in other scriptures speaks to us of what we call the end times. That there will be famines, wars, increased in lawlessness, signs in the stars and the moon and the sea, great distress among the nation. The Bible tells us all of these about end times. So certainly this has been so over the centuries, right? Everything I just said. So in the past uh, century, we just went through the 20th century, and to our very day, one amazing thing is when you look at here, star, signs in the stars and the moon, uh, space and aerospace science has shown us the universe beyond this Earth's atmosphere in ways that the entire history of humanity has never seen or thought possible. Amazing. That alone is a sign that uh, the last days are upon us, that such knowledge has been revealed by God to man. Surely man always wants to take credit for it. He thinks he's smarter than his fathers before him, but he's really not. He just has more knowledge, that's all. And that knowledge comes from the Lord. Who was the, I don't know, was the guy who invented the telephone or the telegraph? The first communication was, what has God brought? Do anybody remember that? No, I don't remember it. Gosh. Anyway, I forgot which it was. But the first thing, it was, it was written in Old English, but the first thing broadcast was, what has God brought? In other words, he's giving God the credit for this great invention, not himself. I like that guy. He's all right. He gives the Lord the credit. What has the Lord brought us? He's given the Lord the credit for the technology and the understanding. So we've had incredible technology and understanding given to mankind in this past century, especially as never before in the history of humanity. Jesus, he mentions famines. Let's look at some of these things. From 1860 to 2016, okay, 120 million, 128 million people died in famines globally. Do you realize that's more deaths in famines than the entire history of the human age, uh, human uh, race prior? Wow. A sign of the last days. Jesus predicted it. How about wars? Jesus mentioned wars. Regarding wars in the 20th century alone, more than 110 million people have died just as a result of communism. We're not even looking at World War I and II. Just communism. Over 110 million people have died. There's more deaths by war in the 20th century than the entire history of the human race combined. Wow. A sign of the last days that Jesus predicted. Um, Jesus predicted there would be lawlessness. The social upheaval of the 20th century that we have just come out of and now going into the 21st century is insane. You got men who think they're women. You got women who think they're men. You got children in our public schools who are allowed to be a different gender than what they're born with. You got people who want to marry their pets. I kid you not. Probably in California. People want to marry their pets. Uh, there's a, been a reestablishment of a, of a totally amoral culture, the hippies of the 60s, all these immense social upheavals, the debauchery like we've never seen before, yet we still haven't rivaled the Roman Empire. They were still worse. <laughs> wow. 
And yet books have been written that we are modeling our own destruction as the Roman Empire has fallen. So we have the exact same indicators for us. Very famous book written. Uh, wow. I mean, even unsaved people recognize this, right? You know people who you work with, live with, uh, hopefully not in your same house, but uh, in your neighborhood, whatever, growing up with. What, what kind of things have they said? It's the end of the world, man. Telling you things are coming to an end. I remember when I was a kid in 1968, people thought the world was ending that year. And it wasn't due to religious beliefs. It was due to the upheaval of 1968. What a crazy, crazy, violent year that was. Uh, in fact, they even did a documentary on it. I think it's on either Netflix or uh, uh, w w one of the streaming channels. The whole documentary just on 1968, the incredible violent year that it was. I remember when I was a kid, people were, uh, these, these are not born-again people, wondering, is the end coming soon? Wow. So even those that don't know Christ as their Savior recognize the days are evil. The days are exceedingly wicked. The days are dangerous that we're living in. A sign of the last days that Jesus has predicted. Paul here tells Timothy that in the last days, I'm sure you've seen the scripture, there will be difficult times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control. Gosh, got a whole nation of that. Brutal, haters of good. Right now, there's a great hatred of Christianity rising across America. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power, avoid such people as these. Aren't we seeing this in the days we live in? Now, this has been this way for centuries, but not to this intensity in my view. The intensity today is incredible, that the people call the good evil and the evil good. And how many, you know, churches out there, they claim they, they're of the Lord, and yet they practice and teach things that are ungodly and opposed to the Word of God. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And that's growing even more and more and more in intensity. And I think as we read Paul here, as we've seen in our own days, this is especially post-World War II. When World War II ended, society took a change. The times are changing. Times are changing. It's been a very downward spiral since the close of World War II. I mean, in the, in the 1960s, the devil had a revival. That was his. Yet, the charismatic renewal poured out. So the Lord had his own outpouring as well. You, we see that light and darkness seem to grow simultaneously. Not light greater than darkness or darkness greater than light. They kind of grow simultaneously. And they're obvious for who wants the Lord and who doesn't. It's that clear. Things are being that clear. Um, so, um, these are difficult times, not only for uh, personal sinful people, but how the gospel's been persecuted as well. That's a whole separate topic. More Christians have been martyred for the gospel 
in the 20th century than the entire history of the Christian church combined. That's an incredible statement. That's an incredible statement. Especially when you think of the Roman Empire and how it persecuted Christians in the early centuries. Far worse than the 20th century. Also a sign of last days, Jesus predicted for us. So when we consider this issue, uh, how have Christians responded to Jesus' words? You know, many Christians in the first three centuries since Jesus' resurrection thought they were in the last days. How about that? They thought Jesus would come back any day now. Uh, now, don't laugh at them. I mean, if you lived then and experienced what they experienced and saw at the hand of the Roman Empire, you would probably, and I would probably have the exact same conclusion. Is it today, Lord? I mean, it was that intense, the persecution. But times went on. Last day scriptures and end time scriptures have always been difficult scriptures for the Lord's church to understand. Always. Because in nearly every century uh, since they've been written, believers thought and they taught they were in the last days. And yet, the human race continues and so does the Lord's church. How about that? So why now? Why should we be declaring that we're in last days now? What makes our times now so different? I'll give you that answer next week. Tonight's just introduction. Or we'll look at that answer next week. Uh, but I do want to mention briefly, though, for this series, that when we're looking at these concepts of the times that we live in, we also need to realize there are three main views out there about Jesus' return to set up his kingdom on the earth that we would call end times. Now can I have my slide? Yeah, there it is. Okay. We see it says premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, or amillennial, depending on your vocabulary. Um, millennial means a thousand years. It means when Christ comes back to set up a thousand year reign. Um, so these are the three main views. Now there are sub views under all these, but the three main ones, the premillennial view would hold that the return of Christ will be preceded by a time of great turmoil on the earth. It's a Jewish prophetic, can I have the slide back? It's a time of Jewish prophetic time of tribulation, of tribulation, where a real antichrist figure attempts to reign. This is very popular with Baptists, fundamentalists, Pentecostals. It's a very popular view. Postmillennialism <coughs> is a view that <coughs> the church will one day Christianize the world, then Christ will return. Israel has no special value. It's a nation like any other nation. There is no Jewish prophetic time. There is no tribulation period. And there is no real specific antichrist. The antichrist just represents the evil from century to century. That's a very popular position with the Roman Catholic Church. Not only them, several mainline denominations are post-millennial in their belief. Then the last one, the amillennial or amillennial, is the view that these scriptures are symbolic. Um, that they speak of Jewish prophetic time. It's really just spiritual in meaning. There, most of these scriptures that Jesus speaks of all have to do with Rome destroying the temple in 70 AD. This is just past history. 
Israel today has no value at all as a special nation. The first and second coming of Christ are just symbolic of good and evil in the world. And when Christ returns, the end times are not told to us. It's uh, all symbolism, etc. Uh, that is not very popular anymore. There are mainline denominations that still hold to that, the amillennial view, but that's not that popular. The, actually, the premillennial view is growing very strong in popularity, which we'll talk next week about why that's so. Uh, but those are the three basic views that are about when does Jesus return and what will it be like. Some believe we have to get everybody in the world safe first, so his coming is not coming back for hundreds of years. And they really believe that. There's a lot of people that are post-millennial out there, a lot of them. Um, but uh, what we'll talk about next week, that creates problems by what we're seeing day to day in this world. So a lot of, if people are honest in their theology and really want to know answers, they go more now, what they are abandoning the post-millennial and amillennial views and becoming premillennial. Um, Doctrine should never be written in, in granite, like chiseled, chiseled in granite. Doctrine should be written in pencil because we need to constantly be learning, constantly understanding, constantly growing. And the way some churches write doctrine, they must write in crayon. It's, it's like ridiculous. So uh, we want to make sure it's in pencil and we're learning. And Lord, help us to understand better in the times we live in. Those that have written it in pencil have left post-millennial and amillennial views over the last 80 years. So we'll be looking at that next week. So scriptures that we'll be looking at this month will be on the premillennial view. Our church is premillennial in doctrine. I personally am. Uh, there, we believe there is a true Jewish prophetic time of tribulation. There's a real antichrist that will rise up before the return of Jesus. And that we're living at the edge of such days coming upon us. So we need to remember when we say all this stuff on topics like this, fear not. You always have to keep that real close to your chest. Fear not. I'm not a tattoo guy, but fear not would be a good tattoo. Fear not. Fear not. What does Jesus tell us? Luke chapter 21 in verse 28. But when you see these things take place, Straighten up, lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. The return of Christ, our glorified bodies, is the fullness of our redemption. Look up, he's coming. Man doesn't have the final word. Satan doesn't have the final word. He does. The Lord Jesus does. So this should be a time of great excitement for the body of Christ, not a time of fear. What a time we have been given a privilege to be born into. That's really how we must think of ourselves in the days we live in. You know, in the book of Esther, uh, Mordecai says to Esther, because she became the queen and she was going to be used to save the Jewish race. And he says, who knows for such, whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. And that's not on the overhead. Yeah, thank God she had been born at such a time as this because God used to save her, uh, save the Jewish race from extinction because she was born at such a time. At such a time as this that we live in, we have been given an incredible privilege. You could have been a Christian in 700 AD when nothing happened. 
I mean, nothing. Wow. This is exciting days that we're living in here. We also must see that um, these are days where the Lord wants to use us to bring folks to Christ. Because we do have the answer to all their questions. In John chapter 9, verse 4, we have a strong statement from Jesus. He tells us we must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Isn't that interesting how he worded that phrase? Notice the word we. He doesn't say I must carry out the works of him who sent me. How about that? He's speaking of his church that hasn't been birthed yet. We must, we, that means Jesus, my partner? Yeah, wow. Wow. We must carry out the works of him who sent Jesus. So teachings on the end times really should make us very sober-minded. Uh, we should be asking ourselves, how do I spend my time? How do I use my money? What plans do I make in my life? Am I about my father's business? Or as Leonard Ravenhill, the great evangelist, once said, and what I'm living for, is it worth what Christ died for? Because the days here are short. When Jesus talks about the night is coming, when no one can work, I think he's referring to the tribulation period. That's my opinion. When the Antichrist rises, when you just don't have the freedom to bring the gospel anymore. It's just not that easy. And in their day when Jesus was talking, surely he knows the Roman Empire is going to destroy the temple in 70 AD, and there'll be outrageous Jewish persecution and Christian persecution. So it has more than one meaning, I think. But one thought I do want to leave with you tonight as we close here, on, and I want to do this on every Wednesday teaching. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6 that was one of the foundation scriptures for the Church of Grace and Peace to begin. Walter Maureen Healy got that scripture from the Lord, spoke to them prophetically of one thing this church would be. And Isaiah 33, verse 6, out of the Amplified Bible. And he will be the security and stability of your times, a treasure of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is your treasure. And fear here means a reverence, a respect. Jesus is the security and the stability of our times. That's one of the reasons why this church exists, this particular church in Toms River, New Jersey. This one. Can't say that about others. I don't know what their vision is, their calling. This one was meant to have Jesus as the stability of the times of the people that would be a member to it. That's a prophetic covering over this church, this people. Spoken by two people who were obedient to see it through. What does this mean? I don't know, Lord, I trust you. He would be the stability of our times. And we have seen that exactly been so. People who have pursued Jesus here in these pews, in these uh, seats over the years, even when we didn't have a building, uh, he became the stability of their times and is still to this day. So when we look at these teachings, we need to remember every time, you're the stability of my times, Lord. Not the current events of the day, not what's coming up around the bend on planet Earth. You're the stability of my times. And I must always remember that, that he's my security, my stability, my assurance. I fear not. And I work for him with enthusiasm. Can you say amen to that? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for such a time as this. The people listening to this have been born into. 
that, Lord, for this age we have been born into, Lord God, the age that we believe will be ushering in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we do not know the day or hour. But, Father, in this season that we're in, in this prophetic season, Lord God, we ask you, Lord, use us. We declare Jesus is the stability of our days, and we ask you, Father, to use us in these days for the praise of your glory, for the fruit each and every one here must bring forth in the kingdom of God and the uniqueness of it that they will bring. We thank you, Father God, that you would use us in these days, Lord. We welcome Holy Spirit's ministry in and through us, and we thank you, Father God, that Jesus is the stability of our times. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen?